0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Kings, the book of 2 Kings and chapter number 5. The book of 2 Kings and chapter number 5. We are continuing our series of the ministry of Elijah and Elisha. And now we hit something that is going to affect Elisha later on, but... this evening, we're just going to put our attention on a minor Bible character who is so critical to this entire story. And what is amazing is that this is not an old wise sage. This is not dealing with some person who's been in the world for a long time. We're dealing with a little child. And how important it is, this whole story hinges on the testimony of of a little eight-year-old girl. And so if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Kings. The book of 2 Kings in chapter number 5. And notice with me in verse number 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. But he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my lord were the, with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 5? The book of 2 Kings, chapter 5, and notice with me in verse number 2, a little maid, a little maid. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to preach a message on a character study on the little maid, the little maid. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you now, I'm just asking that you would just give us wisdom, give us discernment, help us to open up this Bible passage and the history of it, and to see what an amazing testimony that this little girl had, and that we would be able to see and reflect in ourselves that we should follow the example of this little maid. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. What we see here is an amazing story in the ancient world dealing with <laughs> what is natural, uh, oh, naturally occurring within this time of history. What we have here is two enemy nations. You have Syria to the north and Samaria the northern kingdom to the south of that Israel. And they were constantly warring and trading shots. If you re- might remember several messages back, we actually dealt with Ahab fighting against the Syrians. And once again, this battle has ensued. And during one of these skirmishes, during one of these border battles, what had happened is that the Syrian army had invaded the northern <laughs> kingdom of Samaria And during that time, they burnt down villages, they killed people, and they kidnapped a little girl. And they took her back and forced her to be a slave within within some of these uh, officers of the military. And what we have here is a little girl who's lost everything. A little girl who's faced tragedy that most of us could not understand. And how was her spirit, what is her countenance like? If you don't mind, I'd like to tell you a little bit about this little maid. That first of all, she was taken captive by the enemy, but was not bitter. She was taken captive by the enemy, but was not bitter. Again, as I described before, that this was part of the skirmishes between Syria and Samaria. And one day... This man by the name of Naaman, who was a general inside of the Syrian army, had gone down and they had fought some battle skirmishes. And as they went to the battle, they saw these adults and they were fighting against them. And they killed the adults and took this little maid. And now this little maid has witnessed the slaughter, the murder of her parents. How would you feel if the bad guys came? Let's say that the Canadians decided they were going to come down. And they were going to raid your home. And they killed your mom and dad. And they took you away. And they dragged you away far from your home. And they said, guess what? You're my new slave. I need someone to wash my dishes full time. I need someone to clean the toilets. I need someone to fix the kitty litter. I need someone to bake the bread. I need someone to sleep the floors. And that was your full time job. That you were a slave. Your parents were killed. What do you think your countenance would be like? How would you think that you would respond? You know there's a lot of people that would immediately be bitter. How dare those people? The first chance I get, I'm going to go ahead and show them. Just wait, I'm going to poison their soup. Couldn't wait for them to die. Hatred building up towards them. Couldn't even smile around them. But yet, here's this little girl who had learned the secret of forgiveness. Even though she saw the horrible sights and the tragic end of her family, even though she was forcibly removed from her home, she did not turn bitter. She still had a forgiving spirit. You understand bitterness eats people up. Bitterness is a slow-working poison that destroys its own container. You know, the older people get, it's just amazing, that senior saints, they turn one of two ways. They become great people to be around. Or they're the sourest, most miserable people you've ever met. You ever wonder why? It's because of forgiveness or bitterness. Either they hang on to stuff and become sour. And their faces are always messed up. And they're glowering. And they look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. And been sucking on lemons too long. But then there's some people who have learned how to forgive. And I understand there are some things that are hard to forgive. But with God giving you help, you can. And here's a little girl who decided that she could live all of her life just miserable and hatred and destroying her own life. Or a little girl says, you know what? God's still good and God's still right. And even though there's been some horrible things that happened to me, I'm going to forgive them with God's help. And I'm not going to be bitter about my circumstances. I'm going to allow God to get victory within my life. And so here's a story that a whole entire miracle is going to hinge around this little girl. And everything would not have turned out the way that it did if this little girl had bitterness. If she had chosen not to forgive her captors. You see, something bad had happened to her new master. He got leprosy. You know what she could have done? She goes, that serves him right. That's what it gets for killing my parents. But that's not how she felt at all. She had compassion on someone who had done her wrong. And she was able to have compassion on him. Because she was willing to forgive him. With the Lord's help. So we start off by describing this little girl. That she was taken captive. But... She was not bitter. The second thing that we see about this young little maid is not only was she taken captive but had not turned bitter, but something else that we understand about this little maid is that she was a slave, but she served God. She was a slave, but she served God. So here she is. They brought her home into slavery. Notice with me in verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. So the general who took her brought her home and says, little girl, your job is to serve my wife. Whatever she needs, that is your job. You take care of her. And (coughs) so that's what she was. She was the servant. You understand they had different things to do back then. There was the sweeping of the floor. There was the cleaning up of the messes. There was the cleaning of the toilets. How would you like to have that job? Singing, whistling while you go. There was a lot of things that she was asked to do that she probably didn't want to do. But she made a decision about who was her master. And she says, I understand that I have to obey my master Naaman and his wife. But the true one I'm serving is God. You understand that's a New Testament attitude. That no matter who you work for, that is just a bystander. Your job is to serve God. My job is to be the best employee I possibly can because I serve God. My job is to be the best student I can be because my job is to serve God. My job is to be the best child I could be because my job is to serve God. And she made a decision that God was the one that she was trying to please. And as she pleased God, she'd please all the other people as well. She decided what master she was going to serve. So instead of resenting her situation, she looked towards the God by faith. She was a believer, praise the Lord, she had a mother that before she perished had taken time to teach her little girl how to respond correctly. She had taught this little girl to look up God by faith, to teach her little girl how to forgive others, and she taught her little girl how to work by serving God first. If you don't mind, hold your finger here and let me show you that this is what the New Testament says as well. Notice these were the attitudes of the young little maid. Turn with me first of all to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians (coughs) and chapter number four. So here's a little maid that was taken captive. A little maid who was now forced to be a slave. And she had a choice. She could begrudgingly be a slave. Fine, I'll do it because I have to. It's kind of like a child today, right? Go clean your room. Fine, if I have to go back and think, I'm nothing but a slave. Kids are told, go take out the trash. Man, it's just like communist China here. I had a child once. (laughs) Uh, in, a, in a Christian school that we had them line up against the walls while we we're waiting for their parents to come so there would be a clear hallway for people to travel. And one of the teenagers said, you're just nothing but Nazis making us wait in line here. <laughs> I don't think so, but you understand there's some kids that can have that attitude. <laughs> my, my teachers, they're nothing but mean dictators. How dare my parents make me clean up my room. I thought we were in America. Or you could have the attitude that says my job is to please the Lord. And because my job is to please the Lord. I'll happily do whatever biblical authority tells me. Notice if you don't mind in the book of Philippians chapter 4. And I want you to see the spirit of this young little girl. Philippians chapter 4. Notice with me in verse 11 not that I speak in respect of one for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content." Paul is saying here I learned that no matter where I'm at I could be content. Do you know that Paul can be content when he was sitting in prison? In fact when he's writing the book of Philippians he's in prison. I've learned how to be content. When he's off soul winning, he could be content. When the Jewish people are chasing him out of town, he could still be content. You understand, circumstances should not dictate our joy or our peace. But when we're looking up to God, no matter what state I'm in, I can be content. So that means when it snows in the next couple days, and you're out there digging in there, you could still be content instead of yelling about how bad Wisconsin winters are. When your teacher gives you homework, how dare she do this to me? You could still be content doing homework. And when your parents finally say, listen, you need to take out the trash. You don't have to feel like you're in a prison camp. But you could be content even washing dishes and taking out the trash. Notice as it goes on in verse 12, Philippians 4.12. I know how to be both abased and I know how to abound everywhere and all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. Then notice verse 13 is part of this context. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You know where that verse is dealing with? It's dealing with learning how to be content by looking up to God. You know what? You could God could give you the strength to do you what To help you to do whatever you need to do. I don't have the strength to do one more math problem. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. God can strengthen you. When you go to work and say. I don't know how I'm going to get through one more day on this job. God can strengthen you. If you're doing it to please him. If you're doing it to look to him. If I have one more dish to do. God can give you the strength to do it. If you're looking up to him. If you're trying to serve him. Notice if you don't mind. We could see some other New Testament principles carried out in the life of this little maid. Notice with me 1 Timothy chapter 6. The book of 1 Timothy chapter 6. Dealing specifically with the idea of being a servant, a slave, or an employee. Notice with me the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 1. Let as many servants, which is literally the idea of a slave, let as many servants as under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemy. You see, there should be something different about a Christian who has a boss, slave owner, teacher, biblical authority. That you're doing the best you can in order to please God. And that your employer says there's something different about them. Your teacher says there's something different about them. Your slave owner says there's something different about them. Your parents say there's something different about it. Because your job is to please God. And that if you're pleasing God, that it's going to show up. But if you say, I'm trying to serve God, but then you don't obey biblical authority. It doesn't work. Notice if you don't mind, we continue with that same idea. The book of of Titus, chapter number two, Titus in chapter number two. (coughs) In Titus chapter two, with the same idea, notice this: Titus chapter two, verse nine, exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters. And to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining. Both of those phrases deal with the idea of don't talk back. All right? So I needed to do these dishes, but why? I know kids will never do that. But it has the idea that if you're pleasing God, then it doesn't matter why. Your job is just to say, yes, I'm going to do it for the Lord's sake and go do it. Being obedient. This is what the little maid did is that she built up a testimony by her service that allowed her to be used. Notice again, verse verse 10, not purloining, but showing in all good fidelity that they may adorn or put on the doctrine of God of our Savior in all things. That someone says, what is different about you? You don't complain when you're asked to do something. Why is it so different? Because I trust God. Well, I want to know more about this God. By the way, that's what's going to happen to this little maid. Here is a little maid who has decided she was going to obey biblical authority. To point up towards the Lord. And the way that she served. So therefore, when she had to tell them about spiritual things, they were willing to listen. Because they saw how she responded. Most of us understand our flesh gets grumpy when we're told to do something we don't want to do. All of us do. It doesn't matter who the authority is. We have a problem with it if it's something we don't want to do. It's how we respond to it. Do we look towards God or do we look at the stupid thing that I've been told to do? Which brings me to the third thing here. Turn back with me if you don't mind to the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. So here's this little maid that had been stolen from her home country. Her parents were murdered. She is now forced to be a slave. But even though she was captured, she was not bitter. Even though she was a slave, she served God. But there's a third thing I'd like to show you here. Is that she lived with the heathens, but still wanted them saved. She lived with the heathens, but still wanted them saved. Notice with me in the book of 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse number 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord hath given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but notice this, but he was a leper. So one day this great mighty warrior, this general, developed a disease. This type of leprosy is a type... That you would get boils. Like a big blister. And then it would pop. And this icky pus would begin to leak out. And then what would happen is. It would be easy to get infected. In that open wound. And it would be something that was contagious. Because of the other infections. That would be going on. And for the Hebrew people. A leper had to be set outside. Of the uh, city. Could not dwell with them. But this is not. Israel this is a heathen land so he's a general and he said forget it I'm the boss I have this disease but it's a disease that's eventually going to kill him he's going to die so notice this in verse 2 and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid and she waited on Naaman's wife now notice what this little maid said And she said unto her mistress, would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that was in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. When she found out that her master had this dreaded disease, she responded by faith. She goes, I don't want him to die. I want him to live. Oh, if he could just get to the preacher, the preacher would help hear him, heal him from leprosy. Oh, if he could just, my God would heal him if this master would get to the preacher. You know, at this time, Elisha had never healed leprosy. That was not a miracle that had been done by Elijah or Elisha. But here is a little girl that said, my God can do all things. If we could just get him to the preacher and let the preacher talk to him, God would do a miracle in his life. You know, she could have easily just said, you know what? Good. I hope he dies. I hope he's miserable. I hope it's painful. But she says, I don't want him to die. I don't want him to perish. I want him to get delivered from his disease. I want him to get saved. You know, because of the testimony of this little girl, the message got passed on. They said, here's this little girl who always works well. Here's a little girl that doesn't give us an attitude. A little girl who doesn't cry whenever she's told to do something. Here's a little girl that does her best. And she works hard. And she's not bitter with us. And she's telling us how we can get saved. And the people said, we want to hear what she has to say. Here's a little girl that was a soul winner. A little girl who was able to deliver a message to them that he could get delivered. By the way, what happens at the end of the story? We'll learn more about it on Sunday morning. But do you know what happens at the end of the story? Naaman, who was not a Hebrew person makes a declaration that he will not serve any other gods but the God of Israel. Here's a guy that you'll see in heaven. You know why you'll see Naaman up in heaven? Because of a little girl who didn't get bitter. A little girl who decided she was going to do her best. A little girl who cared what happened to others around them, even when they did her wrong. Do you understand we can have that type of testimony now? Whether you're a little girl or a big strong man with a job. How we respond in our workplace. How we respond to others. How we respond to those that did us wrong. Will give us a hearing or cause them to stay away from us. When we talk to them about spiritual things. If we have a testimony of being a good worker at work, now we understand the people who work with us may hate us because they feel like we're making them look bad. But that's not our purpose. Our purpose is to please the Lord. But guess what happens when they have something going wrong in their life? They're more unwilling to trust you because you are different. Remember the greatest evidence that the Bible is true. The greatest evidence that what we call biblical Christianity, it works, is the evidence of a changed life. When we don't behave like everyone else, people notice. When we don't respond like everyone else, people notice. The people notice this little girl because if anyone had any right to be bitter, this is a little girl. Wouldn't you have a hard time liking a person if they killed your parents? Now, hopefully you don't want your parents to be dead. And you're not cheering for them. <clears throat> but if they killed your parents, if they did hurt your parents, wouldn't you be hurt? Wouldn't it be easy not to forgive them? Wouldn't it be hard to forgive them? But here's a little girl who forgave them anyways. If you were forced to be a slave, if you were kidnapped and forced to do chores all day, wouldn't you have a hard time guarding your spirit on that? Some of you are not slaves, but you're still bitter about the things that you have to do. Still don't understand why I have to make my bed every day. that's stupid. I'm going to sleep in it tonight. I don't understand why I have to sleep the floor. It's going to get dirty anyways. I don't see why I have to take a shower today and tomorrow. Two days in a row that's unreasonable. What kind of spirit do you have when people ask you to do something? You understand that type of spirit that you have if you're looking towards the God is different than everyone else. I understand that when you go to school, all you hear is people complain, people complain, people complain. How dare the teacher give me homework? Don't they understand I've got a busy social life of texting? How dare they ruin my TV time? It's unreasonable that my mom would make me wash dishes. But we have a great God. And if your eyes are on him, it's not a big deal at all. Why is all this important? Because you might get the opportunity to tell them that there's a great God who loves them and a great God who wants to save them. You might even get the opportunity to invite someone to church and they'd be willing to come because of your testimony. Imagine, if you don't mind, a little girl. Who goes to school and she is the biggest gossip and is the meanest girl there. And she loves to pull people's hair and poke people in the eyes. And then she turns around and says, you want to go to church with me? Would you like to go to church with a girl like that and sit next to her? Probably not. But if it's a sweet girl who has a great smile and a great attitude. And she goes, would you come to church? You might be willing to listen, right? You see, you understand, as we look towards Christ, He makes a change in us that others will notice. And we'll have the ability, Lord willing, with the Lord's help, to influence them to get closer to the Lord. Here's a story of a little maid who was kidnapped and forced to be a slave. But yet, she looked towards God, and God gave her the strength And because of that, here is a general of an enemy army who's in heaven now. What a great God. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness